The first thing was the external transformation because back then, you know, I'm 48 now, so this is nine years ago. Back then I thought, when I lose weight, I'll be happy. It was only then that I started to realize that actually this goes way deeper than diet and nutrition. This goes way deeper than losing four and a half stone. This is more about what's inside here, the stories I'm still telling myself, the thoughts, the beliefs, everything else that I had. Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance, they're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the power of storytelling podcast. Well, hello there. It's great to have you with us today. What I'd like to talk about today is the importance of change. So when we come to look at our stories or any chapter of our stories that we've already been through or that we've already experienced, sometimes we can feel like, well, the past is the past and that then defines my present and it defines my future. But actually, what I want to talk to you about today with my lovely guest is that it doesn't have to, that you can rewrite your previous chapters, that you can make a big difference. So I'm joined today by the midlife transformation mentor, Naomi Holbrook. Naomi has been on an incredible journey herself. There's so many parts to this journey. Naomi, first of all, welcome to The Power of Storytelling. Oh, thank you so much, Nicola. Thank you for having me here. I feel really honoured. What I love about your story is, and I think I was guilty of this as well, you were allowing life to happen to you and feeling like you were stuck, but there came a point where you were like, no, enough's enough. I can rewrite my story. So if you could sum it up, what would that story have been? Even what you said in the intro just completely resonated. So, you know, struggled at school with, I guess, learning and I just didn't fit into the academic box, had lots of childhood kind of illnesses that just prevented me from having full sort of learning at school. So I struggled from that early age with learning different things. Then as a young teenager at 12, my mum became chronically ill. Um, and we had a seven year, I guess, horrific battle with her illness, chronic illness, um, and then subsequent death when I was 19. It had a huge impact on me trauma wise. That led me to emotional eating, emotional drinking, throwing myself into a 21 year career, um, always craving the love in relationships that, you know, I'd lost sort of throughout the time of, of my mum being desperately ill. And I, I guess life, just like you said, was I just allowed it to sort of unfold and happen. And I guess things got a little bit out of control, you know, just in so much as I wasn't looking after my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health. And for many, many, many years, I allowed myself to carry on in that way. I just allowed it all to happen, maybe became a little bit of a victim to everything and 
told myself that, you know, I'd, I'd suffered from sort of depression and anxiety as early as 14, um, had my first sort of psychiatric treatment at 14. So I told myself this story that all these things were just who I was. And at what point was there that wake up call that actually, hang on a second, I can do something about this? I think I'd probably been in denial for a long, long time and told myself the same story that so many people do, you know, that resistance to, to making any sort of change. But my 39th birthday, I remember I can I can still visualize it now. And I just remember, you know, wearing lots of uncomfortable clothing, you know, being being at my birthday party and just feeling really uncomfortable in my skin, not just from a sort of weight perspective and health perspective, but in my how I felt, my thoughts, everything. And I remember thinking, this isn't happening next year. I'm not turning 40 and feeling poor health, overweight, you know, battling with my mental health and everything else. So literally my 39th birthday was the turning point. I'd also recently been to my GP for a couple of different checkups, been told that I was clinically obese, pre-diabetic. And it was a little bit like, you know, I, I was embarrassed. I was actually quite mortified to be sat there, you know, bearing in mind that I'd been in the wellness industry since the age of like 20, to be told that, you know, at 39, you're clinically obese, you know, the amount that you're drinking, um, you know, the food that you're eating, the inactivity that you've got, all these different things, you're you're just heading for a really really bad place and it was yeah i think that was that was the wake up call and then it was like i've got to try something different and it's quite hard though when you have that when you have someone telling you a stark truth plus you're heading into 40 and i don't know i remember i was definitely like this when i was heading into 30 i was like right am i where i want to be in life right now? Have I ticked off all of the kind of key components? Is my health okay? Do I own like a, a house or a flat or do I have my home life sorted? Am I in a good job? Am I in a decent relationship? And you do. it. Changing, having a milestone birthday does really focus the mind as well. And then at the back of your mind as well. You've also got the doctor with his diagnosis, which is not looking great either. What was the first thing that you started focusing on? Because you can't focus on everything at once. You have to focus on one thing. Absolutely. And the first thing was the external transformation. Because back then, you know, I'm 48 now, so this is nine years ago. Back then, I thought, when I lose weight, I'll be happy. When I lose weight, everything in my life will be perfect. When I get down to a size 10, a size 12, life will just be so much better. And, you know, back then I was I was single, still am, I have to say. Um, but back then I was single and lonely and desperate to be in a relationship. And, and I remember people saying to me, when you learn to love yourself, somebody else will be able to love you. And I, you know, and I look back now and think, oh my gosh, cringeworthy. But... At that point, I thought that the external transformation was everything. So, you know, I went absolutely hell for leather into weight loss. So changed my diet, cleaned up my diet. I actually didn't drink alcohol for nine months. I just wanted to get it out of my life at that point and see what the impact was. I started to join fitness classes, go out running in the evenings. So at first it was all about external. It was about kind of, you know, diet and exercise. 
And then from there, you built on it. So what was the next part of yeah. that jigsaw? Because you're putting the pieces into place. So it started with sort of diet and exercise. And by the time I hit 40, I was, you know, a size 10. I have to say it, looking fabulous. I'd, you know, been with a personal trainer. I was... I was probably, well, I was the fittest, healthiest I'd ever been, but also, you know, from an aesthetic point of view, I looked like I was in my 20s. So obviously had, you know, an incredible sort of boost of um, confidence. However, I was still really unhappy inside. I still lacked confidence. I still lacked um, clarity in my decisions, my choices. And, you know, again, thought, well, everything was meant to be perfect now. And it was only then that I started to realize that actually this goes way deeper than diet and nutrition. This goes way deeper than losing four and a half stone. This is more about what's inside here, inside here, the stories I'm still telling myself, the thoughts, the beliefs, everything else that I had. So that's when the bigger part of the transformation journey kicked because in. Because our mindset, changing our minds and how we view things and really focusing on the beliefs that we carry with us, that can transform everything. But it's only when you start doing that inner work, like you say, that things start to really shift in quite a significant way. Is that what happened with you? Absolutely. I mean, I started that sort of you know, physical and external transformation at 39. At 41, my mental health was in the worst possible place it had, I would say, ever been. And I was really battling with, you know, dreadful thoughts, but also just battling with everything in life, even though on the outside had the career, had the house, you know, the the single independent career woman. But I then realized that I needed to 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 do something completely different and at 41 I you know did the unthinkable I had two mortgages on my own um and I walked out of my 21 year career it felt like the only solution to start the rest of the process to just literally almost like let everything crumble and start again and that's an incredibly brave place to build from because it does take a lot of guts to be able to go, no, I'm walking away from the safety, the security of a, a regular paycheck. What did you do? <laughs> well, the first thing I did was kind of breathed a sigh of relief. I felt nothing but relief when I resigned, when I walked out that door for the last time. Then what did I do? Um, I guess I, I guess I did that really naive thing. I kind of just updated my LinkedIn profile and thought instantly overnight, I just you know, all of a sudden set up a, a, you know, a business. But actually, I then decided that I didn't want to jump from the frying, frying pan into the fire. I wanted to take this opportunity, as, as scary as it was, as frightening as it was, I wanted to take the opportunity to rebuild a better future in every aspect. In, you know, I wanted to wake up every morning and be excited about what I was doing to feel, and I didn't know these things at the time, but now I do to feel purpose, to feel fulfillment. But the first thing I did was, you know, sat on the beach a lot, cried. It, it was a grieving process. I left my 21 year career that had been everything to me. You know, I hadn't hadn't got married, hadn't had children. So for me, my career was, you know, the family, the children, everything. And 
so that you know there was a, there was definitely a grieving process and then there was a bit of a panic process oh my god what am i going to do for money um so i literally started doing everything i rented out my garage i rented out my spare bedroom i took a job 6 days a week as a courier delivery person i started up a pet sitting business i was just like I am going to do everything to not go back to where I was before. And that didn't just mean the career, that meant the physical health, the mental health, everything. So I kind of just did everything. And and it also gave me an opportunity to think, what do I want to do long term? And that's when I started to retrain um, to become a certified nutrition and weight management coach and to enable me to not only do my own journey and, and go through this process, but also I was just desperate to help other women that had felt like me at some point in their lives. Because that's the thing, isn't it? It's that moment where we don't actually allow ourselves to think about what is it that we want to come from this. We get dealt lessons in life. They come our way all the time. And unless we just take a moment to just take that on board, okay, this is, you know, not going the way that I thought it would. What is the lesson? It's looking for that lesson that you can take on board, that learning, and then from there decide what it is that you want to do. And I love the fact that you took on a job as a courier because that didn't require you to get stressed or use up that mental capacity in the way that you previously had done. So you had that space to be able to go, okay, what do I want my life to look like? And you have designed your ideal life. What does that look like now? So, so different. And you said my ideal life. And look, life isn't perfect. And and I think so many people look at externally and think, you know, life is perfect. You don't have any responsibilities. You don't have any worries. Of course, we all do. That's the reality. But I have designed and created a life that I love. And it's actually quite a simple life. You know, I live one road away from the beach. I'm at the beach in about sort of three, four minutes. And, you know, that again was a massive leap 12 years ago after a broken relationship to completely relocate to an area that I didn't really know anyone. But my life now looks like, you know, walking along the beach first thing in the morning, um, scheduling my, my clients and my coaching and mentoring clients in a way that enables me to do those things. I'm so active now, whether I'm walking up on the downs every day, down at the beach, going to a a gym class in the morning, and just allowing all those things that, I guess, you know, make my soul happy, make me happy inside. And it's not about, you know, for me, it's not about the expensive holidays. I had all of that. I had the brand new cars. I had the four bedroom house. I had all those things. They didn't make me happy. For me, it's more about what are the day-to-day things that I can experience that just make me feel grateful and fulfilled. And now I've just relocated my 90-year-old dad to live three roads away from me. Um, and, you know, that that has been just a, a thought process over the last couple of years. How do I support him more in his aging process to help him to stay as independent as possible for as long as possible? And so that was something. And so I guess, you know, even that is part of my dream was to be able to look after him in his sort of latter years and help him and support him. But 
you know, to have done that from here and travel to Devon every weekend or to try and juggle all of that would have, yeah, would have been a, a massive sort of stretch. So even that is part of, I guess, the, like you say, creating the life that I really wanted. And what I love about you as well is that you've taken ill health and I know that you had spinal surgery and you, you at one point you were laid flat out on the couch and could hardly even climb the stairs to actually, I'm going to embrace adventure. I'm going to put myself out there in a much bigger way. You, It almost feels like to me, your transformation has gone from having a very fixed mindset about what was possible to now you've got this beautiful growth mindset. Tell me all about the French Alps. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're so right. And, you know, even my dad says to me now, where's where's little Naomi gone? I just don't recognize this woman now. And I think because I was timid, I was shy, I had such low self-confidence as a child, as a teenager, I would never have put my, I mean, I would never have done something like this. I would never have started the business I do because to have any eyes on me, I just would have been you know, absolutely mortified. And yes, this year I took on the biggest challenge, the greatest challenge ever. You know, when I had my spinal surgery, which is 2009, I guess, again, it was it was maybe another wake-up call. You know, there's a huge risk when you've had that spinal surgery of, um, well, you know, not being able to walk properly again, of, you know, dis- long-term disability. And I made this decision that this was going to be another part of my health journey. And, you know, within a year of my surgery, I ran my first 5K. I look back now and I kind of laugh at that. But at the time, that was like that was like running up the Alps. Um, and then I, you know, in 2016, I signed up and did some obstacle course races, Tough Mudders, Spartans. And then last year, I was like, I need a new challenge. <laughs> Which again, you know, I used to I used to sit and watch TV all evening and, you know, slob around. And I was I didn't want any challenges in my life. Life was challenging enough. And uh, last year I was like, I need a new challenge. I need to get some, my teeth into something. And this opportunity came up to join a team to go to Mont Blanc, to go to Chamonix and to climb Mont Blanc. And here's naivety for you. I knew, you know, I knew Mont Blanc was obviously, you know, in the Alps. But I certainly didn't know like how it was. I thought we were just going to be like, you know, walking up a mountain. So but again, in in my new growth mindset, when I was asked if I'd like to join, I didn't ask one single question. I just said, hell yes. One thing I do nowadays is jump in, say yes, and then figure it out afterwards. So the training started in January. We ended up uh, every weekend climbing various different mountains in uh, in Wales and rock climbing and abseiling, things that I've never done before. And we went out to Mont Blanc at the end of August. Sadly, we didn't summit. But again, I'm a firm believer that everything happens. The universe does certain things at certain times. I am planning to go back for my 50th year, which is 2025. Um, I am still training right now to, you know, to continue that work and to do it. But one thing that has become really apparent to me over the last nine years is that it's not all about the summit. It's not all about the goal. It's about what you learn about yourself in the process, what you develop skill set wise, what you uh, learn about your mindset. And this year, I mean, my word of the year this year was elevate. I chose it back in, I don't know, November, December last year, not really knowing that 
you know, Mont Blanc was going to be a thing. But for me, this year has been a huge elevation of my mindset, of my beliefs, of my confidence of all those different things. So, yeah, one thing for me has been that whilst we didn't make the summit, I mean, we, you know, we, we acclimatized to 3,800 meters. I ice climbed on glaciers, which I would never, ever imagined of doing. And it was the most incredible experience. But, and here's the but, and this is how you know that you have reached the summit in your life. Because this for me was everything. And I was reading all of your posts as you were going through and you were very excited and you were there. And then there was a tinge of disappointment because obviously you weren't able to make it to the summit. But instead, you (laughs) paraglided all the way back down. Now, Naomi of old never would have entertained doing that. She would have just moped around feeling very sorry for herself that that was the case. But you have taken this to the next level. And I think that for me, the fact that you were able to turn it on its head and say, okay, it is all about the journey. It is all about the happiness. It's about getting to the point that you can get to because there are some things in life that we cannot control. They will happen, but it's what you do with that that is everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I allowed everything in my life to derail me. When when something went wrong, like you said, old Naomi would have moped. And don't get me wrong, I did sob. I cried a lot when we came off that mountain. I left a lot of tears on there. But that's also part of the emotional healing process to allow those emotions to come out, which I, for 25, 30 years, blocked all those emotions, covered them up. So that was part of the process too. But you're right. I just, in my head at that next day, I was like, this trip ends on a high. I take back the control here and I choose to do something that maybe I wouldn't do somewhere else. And funnily enough, last year, I made some inquiries about paragliding here on the South Downs. You know, they they do it up there every weekend. It looks incredible. And the weather didn't allow us to um, go up on the day that I'd planned. And a little part of me in my head thought, do you know what, if there's ever going to be anywhere that I would love to do my first paraglide, it would be over the Alps. I mean, God, you know, just like how amazing. And so the next day when we didn't summit, I contacted the paragliding company and I was like, have you got any opportunities to take me up? I was terrified. You know, I'm, I've always had a fear of heights, fear of breaking my spine where I've already got some titanium in it. And I was just like, let's just do this. And we're just going to face another mountain, overcome something else. And like you say, just just jump right into that fear. And um, yeah, they had a space to take me up. I went up for it and I'm not going to lie. As we were, as I was harnessing up and he was kind of going through everything with me, I had this utter moment of, I can't do this. And I was literally just about to say to him, no, stop. I, you know, he told me that we were going to have to <laughs> run off the side of the mountain and I was just like what if it doesn't what if the paraglide doesn't come out what if we die and I just had that moment and then I was just and I literally just went no do it and it was the most incredible experience over the French Italian Swiss Alps and yeah just like you say talk about ending on an absolute high and taking control And now you're talking about taking control and encouraging others to do the same, other women who are in midlife, because that's what you specialize in doing now. So you're helping 
people that are feeling stuck, that are maybe not fulfilling their true potential at the moment, to be able to find that thing that will light them up, that will take them to that next stage so that they too have that injection of happiness, but it's long-term, it's a sustainable injection of happiness. Talk to me about the kind of things that you do and the transformations you've been able to have. Yeah, well, it's really interesting you use the word find because it's something I was always trying to do, find happiness, find this, find that. And I have so many women that come to me, like you said, in midlife and quite often somewhere in their menopause journey, whether it's pre-peri, perimenopause, menopause, and they say they wish they could find their old self. And one thing I have learned in my nine-year transformation journey is you don't need to find your old self. The old Naomi, she was amazing. She kept me surviving for, for more years than I could ever have imagined. But that's not what I need now. I don't need survival anymore. I need to thrive. I need to, you know, feel freedom and harmony on all those things. So one thing I help the ladies that come to me with is not finding their old self or finding this or finding that, but actually creating it. And you're right. I help women, empower women in midlife to revolutionize their happiness, their health and their hormones. Because so often they come to me in midlife, they're in the roller coaster of menopause, they're quite often struggling in their relationships. You know, things in their marriage or their intimate relationships has just, you know, taken under a lot of pressure. They're not happy in their jobs. They might be going through empty nesting. And there's a loss of identity. And I, I can, you know, I can empathize with all of that because that's really where I was at 39 and 41, just struggling with who I was and all the old strategies that I'd had weren't serving me anymore. So I help women with their nutrition, first of all, to help them to, you know, not diet, but to nourish their body in menopause in a healthy, sustainable way. But also the two biggest pieces of the puzzle are mindset and identity, because, you know, it's taken me nine years to get to where I am today. And I now help women do it in a fraction of the time because I, you know, now have the knowledge and the education and the understanding and the tools and strategies. So yeah, I help women to, you know, really, really embrace this second season of life. I've got ladies who have joined my program with zero confidence, who have now started to take art classes, join choirs, start doing cold water swimming, start new careers, um, you know, just all those things that they like like I was, didn't believe that they could do. I could talk to you all day about this because as I'm speaking to you, you can just sense the passion in your voice about all of this and you're just completely lit up. And I think if you go through life and you find that thing that lights you up when you speak, that's everything. Naomi, thank you so much for joining us today. If anyone wants to connect with you, find out more about you, where can they find you? First of all, thank you for having me on and, and for being such a wonderful, wonderful host. Facebook, Instagram, uh, at Facebook, it's Naomi Holbrook. Facebook and Instagram are probably the, the best two places to, uh, to find me. Thank you so much again to you at home for tuning in to this episode of The Power of storytelling and don't forget if you are thinking 
Am I ready for PR? You can take our free quiz, pr-quiz.com, and you get a free report that will tell you what elements you might need to be looking at a little bit more. But it all starts with you, and it all starts with a story. Mm-hmm.